All right, week three, the I and team, we look at what we can do to improve the different teams that we're on. And like I told you, week one, this stuff applies to all avenues of our life, uh, not just here at church, but in our relationships, in our friendships, all over the place. We can, we can take this stuff and we can apply it to it. And so uh, we're looking at risk-taking today, right? Because good teams support risk. They support risk-taking. Now, there tend to be two distinct camps in the world. One waits an hour after they eat to swim, and the other will jump off a cliff without checking the depth of the water or what's underneath the surface of the water, right? There's two types of people, really, as far as these types of camps go. It's either one that is predisposed to take risks. They're just going to go. They don't care. They'll have faith. They'll be okay. It won't matter. Everything will work out. It'll all be fine. And then there's the other that needs a plan, right? They're not taking a risk. They need to know the steps. They need to have it laid out. They need to know exactly what's happening in order to take that leap of faith, so to speak. Now, taking risks can be scary, but strong teams, as I've already said, support risk-taking. Taking risks to achieve a goal requires us to have courage to face uncertainty. And that's something that a lot of us struggle with, right? A lot of us struggle with that. I struggle with that at times. I am one that I think is more predisposed to taking risks than I would say others generally are. But the unknown, the uncertainty, the risk of failure at times, even for me, someone who's like, yeah, it'll all be okay, can still at times be really fear-inducing, really fear-inducing. As Christians, we would refer to the courage to take risks, the courage to face uncertainty as faith, as faith. And no matter what happens throughout the process, when I say process, I'm talking about any endeavor we might be on, any chance we might be taking, no matter what happens through that process, we learn, we grow, and we become a stronger team. The fact of the matter is that we'll never know what we're capable of if we're too afraid to take a chance to accomplish it. We will never, ever know what we're capable of if we're too afraid to take a chance to accomplish it. You see, God in life, I believe, calls us most often to do the extraordinary. But when we're too afraid to take the risk, when we allow our fear to petrify us into inaction, then all we end up accomplishing is the ordinary. You see, throughout Scripture, God calls His people to take risk. And those who are brave enough to step out in faith often find themselves being blessed beyond their wildest dreams. And so we're going to dive in. We're going to be in two uh, big chunks of Scripture today. The first is Matthew 14, 22 through 30. So if you have a Bible or a Bible app and you want to turn to it, do that. Otherwise, it'll be on the screen for you. This is what it says. It says, Immediately Jesus made His disciples get into a boat and go ahead of Him to the other side while He dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by waves because of the wind against because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat and walked on the water and came towards Jesus. But then he saw the wind and he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Now, this is one of the miracles we've covered on 
uh, during the Wednesday night gathering. This, this particular passage uh, can be used to teach about various topics, about faith and the power of Jesus. But I want to focus today on Peter's willingness to take a risk. Peter's willingness to take a risk. You see, Jesus was walking on the water. They thought he was a ghost. I know that because in verse 26, it says they were terrified. It's a ghost, right? That's how I, that's how I made that leap of thought because they themselves yelled it. They thought it. It's a ghost. Here's this ghost coming out to us on the water. And Jesus says, hey, have no fear. It's I. It's me. It's Jesus. Now, I think that there was a, a, a good chance that they recognized his voice, and so that calmed them a little bit. But here they are seeing this being walking out on top of the surface of the water, which I don't know if you've ever done, but I haven't. And I'm pretty sure to this point, no other human in history had done it either. And so they see this ghost and they're terrified. They're petrified of him. And Peter says, hey, if it's you, Jesus, tell me to come to you. Well, Peter to me seems, seems like a little bit of an idiot because <laughs> to me, any ghost, any spirit, any evil spirit could say, all right, come on, right? They already think it's a ghost. The only reason they know it's Jesus is because he said, hey, it's me, Jesus. And Peter is willing to take this giant risk just because Jesus says, hey, come out on the water. To me, that seems mm, maybe a little bit naive, maybe a little bit naive. It's definitely scary. And it's definitely a risk. And if you think about it, it's just pretty crazy. Peter himself is pretty crazy. Now he takes a risk to do the extraordinary, which in his case is to walk to Jesus on top of the surface of the water. You see, and it works. It works really well until he takes his eyes away from his destination. This is the first thing that we really learn about taking risk. He lost sight of his why. When we take a risk, and I probably should have made this a point to put on the screen, but I'm not. But <laughs> I didn't. When we take a risk, when we first leap into that decision, whatever decision it may be, whatever risk it is that we're taking, we have to remember throughout the process why we are taking that risk in the first place. You see, the reason that Peter was able to walk on water is because he had faith in Jesus. That's where it started. But as he got out onto the, the water and the waves were still going a little bit, he got scared. Why? Because he took his eyes off of his reason for going out in the first place. He lost his faith in Jesus. He's sitting there thinking halfway out, oh, look at all these waves. What am I doing? This is dangerous. How am I walking on water? I can't normally do this. He gets fearful because of the unknown, because halfway through the process, things got a little tough. Peter decided, maybe I made a mistake. And in making that mistake, his drive to complete his task was gone. And in making that mistake, he faltered in his goal and he started to sink beneath the waves. So often to get where we want to go in life, we have to be willing to take a risk. We have to be willing to take a risk to get where God is wanting us to go to. And you know what? Most often that risk is experiencing failure. It's experiencing failure. That's what I think we all fear. If I take this risk and I fail, what then? 
Everyone's going to think I look like an idiot. Or I, then I would have just been better off staying in the boat. Why did I do this in the first place? It was dumb. All we need to do to correct this is to change the way that we think and to change our mindset. Because we can do something really powerful for ourselves when we redefine failure. You see, for Peter, failure was sinking. But what failure should have been was not having the courage to take the risk in the first place. We don't fail when things don't work out. We fail when we never give them a chance to work out. And as Christians, as believers, as husbands, as wives, as parents, as workers, as all these things, we can't afford to live our lives in such a way. When our fear of failure becomes bigger than why we took the risk, we falter in our faith. We end up sinking just like Peter. You see, so at no point in the journey can we forget why we took the risk to begin with. At no point in the journey can we forget why we took the risk to begin with. So when you start a new job, right, and all of us have kind of been through that scenario in our life, we're looking for a way to better improve our family standing. We may be looking for more income. We may be looking for more happiness. We are taking a risk. We are leaving something that is comfortable. We are leaving something that is known. We are leaving something that is producing for us for an opportunity to find something that's better. And so in those times when you're overwhelmed and you're uncomfortable and you're questioning why, remember why you did it in the first place. What was your motivation? You know, when we moved away from the traditional small group setting, and we started the gathering. There was a lot of risk involved. We had two pretty strong small groups at the time. Both small groups loved their small group. But we recognized that in our church, there was a bit of a divide, a bit of a, a wall, so to speak. And it was like both small groups were on that side of the wall. And our goal, our focus was to try to tear that wall down and to bring more unity and to bring more community to our church as a whole. And the gathering has done exactly that. But there was a chance that we wouldn't have had the same attendance as we had in both groups. There was a chance that maybe those two groups wouldn't get along and like each other. And then instead of unity, we have infighting. Right? We took risk. But we took risk because we felt like God was leading us to a bigger reward. And when God's leading us to do something, again, it's no longer taking a risk. It's having faith. It's having faith. It's knowing who, who is trying to accomplish the task for us, knowing that we're not alone in that. With every risk, there's a chance that something won't work out. But man, if it does, if it does, prepare for the blessing. Prepare for the blessing. One thing that's really important that we have to understand is that we just don't take risks naively, right? If God calls us, we have to go. 
Absolutely, we have to go. But we don't take every risk that presents itself, right? Like, you see some of those signs on the side of the road sometimes? I would tell you that they're probably have like really ill fate behind them, but it's like, do you want to earn $1,200 a week? Quit your job. Call this number. Or we buy homes. We'll pay cash for your home today. And you're thinking, that doesn't sound like a good idea. It's because it's not. Right? We don't take every risk that presents itself. We would just be chasing our tails. We'd be flying all over the place. Well, I could do this. Well, hey, this presents itself. Maybe I'll do this. And then we end up getting nowhere. And if we go anywhere, it's backwards, not forwards. So we don't take risks naively. But as I said, taking a risk when God calls us out onto the water isn't a risk. It's faith. And it's more than that. It's obedience. It's obedience. And so much of Christianity, so much of our relationship with Christ, with God the Father, with the Holy Spirit, is obedience. It's being willing to move when we are called, when we are being dragged, when we are being pushed. It's being willing to say, God, I know you're taking me in a direction. And even though I don't have all the details, even though I don't know absolutely everything, I'm going to do it because I have faith in you, because I'm going to be obedient to you, because I know you're trying to work things out for my good, and I'm scared. I'm scared, but I'm going to do it anyways. Because at the end of the day, I know that my God is bigger than my problems. Great teams take risk in order to progress, in order to not just go inch by inch, but to make giant leaps of progress. And we have to be willing to do that in our own lives. So if we take it back to our team, to Crosspoint, I've told people this before, I'll try anything once, right? Like as long as it's not just in staunch opposition to the Bible, I will do it. If someone's like, hey, I thought about this idea, I think it might work, let's try it. I'm not saying, again, that I go into it naively. We'll pray about it. I make sure, hey, does this line up with biblical teaching? We're not going to be doing anything that's questionable. We're not going to do anything that necessarily uh, takes us in a complete and total different direction than what we're trying to build. But I will try almost anything once. Right? Because I, in my mind, I, I've redefined what failure is. Failure is not something working out. It's never giving it a chance to. You know, so often in churches, so often in life, you hear people say, yeah, I took a chance to do this. I had no idea what was happening. And man, I'm glad I did because it turned out to be the best thing that ever happened to me. I quit this job that I worked at for a long, long time. You know, I, I left federal protection. I was a dispatcher there. I was a remote programmer there. I was doing really well in the company. Um, they, they had offered me... Uh, They'd given me a nice offer, shall I say, to stick around, to stay with the company, to build a career there. The company is fantastic. They have great benefits, great retirement. Like everything was going really well. And I love the people that I worked with and I love the job that I did. There was a lot of good to it. But I had felt God calling me into education for a number of reasons. One, it works better with being a bivocational minister, right? I have summers off. I get to dedicate a lot more time in the summer to church and just to the overall thought process of what we're going to do and where we're going to head and all those things. But also it affords me a lot more time with my family, which is a struggle to find as a bivocational minister. And so I looked at these things, 
weighed the good, weighed the bad, knew that God was calling me, and I took the leap of faith. I dove into it. I dove into it. I make less money now, and you know what? I'm perfectly fine with it. Because why? I'm a whole lot happier. I'm a whole lot happier. God knew what he was doing when he pulled me in that direction. And it took me a while to get there because there were years where I felt God calling me where I was kind of like, yeah, I don't know if I want to do that. I don't even know if I like kids. I was a youth pastor at the time. Should have figured that part out. Just kidding, y'all. Love you. Love y'all. I really do. But I didn't know it was going to be. What if I got into this line of work? What if I, what if I left a place where I had a great standing and then it was miserable and it failed? We have to have faith and we can't let all the reasons for why something won't work out stop us from giving it a chance to. So here at Crosspoint, we're going to try everything that we can at least once in order to spread the gospel. That's the key. That's the heart of it. That's our why. We set out to do new things. We set out to try new things. The goal is just that, to further the gospel in the lives of people that call Crosspoint home, but so that they can also further the gospel in the lives of people that they come across. That's at the heart of everything that we do. Some of it will work, some of it won't, but that's our reason, because we want to further the kingdom of God. We strive to get the very most out of what has been entrusted to us, and that's part of taking risks. We're going to look at another passage. It's in Mark 25, 14 through 30. It's one of Jesus' parables. It, it kind of mirrors his parable of the golden coin, but this is the one of the bags of gold. And 14 through 30, we're going to break it up a little bit and talk, and, but just follow along with me here. It says, again, it'll be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one, he gave five bags of gold, to another two, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. You see, the decision for which servant would get which blessing or the decision for which servant would get each amount was strictly determined off of their previous faithfulness, off of their previous performance, how well they were able to handle tasks given to them before according to their faithfulness. And so the master entrusted more to those who were previously faithful with less, and we'll see that that pattern continues. It says that after the master did this, after he delved out the bags of gold, he then went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold, and he gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off. He dug a hole in the ground, and he hid his master's money. After a long time, the master, whose servants returned, and settled the accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I've gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I've gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. You see, I entrusted you with that which I held dear. I gave you precious resources of myself, and you were faithful with it. You went beyond that. You multiplied it. 
And so I'm going to trust you further. You took a risk. Here is your reward. I'm going to give you much. I'm going to give you plenty. I'm going to overflow you with things that you didn't know that you were going to receive because of how you put your faith in me and how you trusted me and how you took what I gave you and multiplied it. You see, the, the, the servant with two bags could have said, hey, why didn't I get five? I should have gotten five. Look over there, they've got five bags of gold. He's got five bags of gold, I want five, I've only got two. Did he do that? No. He took whatever blessing it was that God gave him and he worked with that and he multiplied that. You see, when we take risk, it's about improving what it is that we have, not about what it is that we might get. Does that make sense? Those mindsets really make a difference because if it's all about improving our standing, if it's all about what we might get and we don't get that, then we crumble a little bit. But if it's just about taking what we have and getting the most out of it and cherishing it and focusing on it and trying to make it better, then we don't leave ever feeling like, man, we failed here. You know, pastors struggle with this more than anything in the world is comparing their church to others. It's something I learned a long time not to do because it can really eat at you, right? You drive by a parking lot, you see all those cars. Grandpa taught me a trick when I was younger and I used to count cars every time we passed the church. You take a car, you can just pretty much figure that every car averages about two people, right? Some will have one, some will have four, but you just go based off that and you can figure out about how many people they had at church that Sunday. You see how well they're doing compared to how well you're doing. Old trick of the trade. Old trick of the trade. And it can get really depressing sometimes. You drive by a church and their parking lot's full and you think, well, man, what are we doing wrong? What should we do differently? Why did God bless them more than he's blessed us? And the fact of the matter is he hasn't. He hasn't blessed them more than he's blessed us. He's just blessed each of us what we are ready for. According to our abilities at the time, he has blessed us. And so as we build a stronger foundation as a church, as we get more financially stable, as we have processes in place, as we start to build small groups and youth groups and our children's groups and our gathering and Sunday mornings and all of those things, as we start to get stronger, God will entrust us with more. It's not a comparison game. It's all about being thankful for what it is that we have and trying to do our very best with it. And so the master goes on because there's one more servant. Remember, he just received one bag. It says, the man who had received one bag of gold came and said, Master, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid. I went out and I hid your gold in the ground. See, here's what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. You knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him 
He took the bag of gold from him and he gave it to the one who has 10 bags. For whoever will be given, for whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. And whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them and throw, and throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Weeping and gnashing of teeth. You see, he says, whoever has faithful, whoever, whoever has faithful? He didn't say that. He says, whoever has faithfulness, right? Whoever is faithful will receive plenty. But those that aren't faithful will be destroyed. That makes perfect sense if we think about it, right? That makes perfect sense if we think about it. Those who are faithful with God will be given plenty. Those who trust in him will be provided for. Those who don't, you're not going to get it. You're not going to give it. Now, this guy's the servant that you don't want to be. And there's a lot more here than what meets the eye, right? It looks like here's this servant who just didn't want to put his bag of gold uh, to any work. He was afraid. He was fearful. And at first, maybe we feel a little sad for him. We, we, we worry about him a little bit. Oh, he felt scared and we want him to be okay. And I understand that. It's not what it was about. You see, his actions gave him away. Because he knew very well that he could go and he could put his master's money in the bank and that that money would receive interest. But what did he do? He went outside in secret. He dug a hole. He buried the bag of gold. Why did he do that? Why did he do that? You see, travel back in this day was pretty treacherous. It was dangerous. The travel alone was bad enough, but you never know when you come across somebody who wants to harm you, who wants to kill you. And this master was going on a long journey. You know what that servant knew? There's a pretty good shot. He's not coming back. I put this money in the bank. They're going to have a record that it belongs to him. I'm going to go dig a hole. I'm going to bury it because if he doesn't come back, then that gold is mine. I get the riches. I get the bag of money. And if by some chance he makes it back, at least I can return to him what he gave me. He can't fault me there. He can't say I stole from him. That's what's really going on. It's wickedness. That's why the master calls him wicked because he knows his intentions. And he calls him lazy because he wasn't willing to work to improve his standing. He wasn't willing to take the blessing that was given to him and multiply of it. You see, he's angry because his servant mismanaged the funds that he had been blessed with. But he's more angry because the servant's actions actually show a lack of faith in the master. I didn't have faith that you would return. I didn't have faith that you would come back to me. See, he feared his master's expectations. And he didn't want to risk having no gold for him on his return. Too often in our lives, inside church and out, we let fear petrify us into inaction. And as I've probably said already, we can't let the fear of an unsuccessful outcome lead us to inaction, to doing nothing, to standing still, to being fearful, to being petrified, to not having faith in our God. You see, failure is not not succeeding. Okay? Failure isn't trying and not succeeding. It's never trying at all. And you see, there are going to be times where we as Christians feel God calling us to spread the gospel, to share our faith with others. 
And we're going to have to do that with the full knowledge that we might be rejected. But we can't let that never that we can't let that stop us from ever sharing it in the first place. It's better for that message to be delivered and rejected than them never getting the chance to accept it at all. There are times where you'll need to rebuke a brother and sister in Christ because of their actions not being Christ-like, not aligning with God's teachings. And I've had to do that in the past, and I'll tell you, it's a really uncomfortable conversation. There's not a lot of joy that takes place in that conversation, but it's necessary. And when you have that conversation, instead of them seeing that you're coming from a loving perspective and, and you're, you're speaking to them because of your desire for them to be realigned with God, they're going to become defensive and your relationship may be damaged forever. But you know what? It's better for them to be upset with you than it is for them to continue sinning unchecked. Risk, reward. We can't let the fear of uncomfortableness stop us from having the courage to act. We face tough decisions every day, and the fact of the matter is there is always, and I do mean always, a risk involved. And the last thing I'm going to say to you today, the last point I'm going to leave with you, comfort zones are the enemy of progress. Comfort zones are the enemy of progress. You see, the biggest reason that we don't take risk is because we fear leaving our comfort zone. We fear leaving the place where everything feels nice and that we fear leaving the place that we're acquainted with. And we just, we have fears of what's going to happen when I leave where I'm at. I've built a foundation here. My feet have sunk into the sand here. Everything seems to be working out. You know, I really struggle to get out of the bed in the morning. Every morning. I'm not a morning person. I can stay up as late as you want me to, but getting up, no matter how much sleep I've had, is just rough. Part of my problem is that I keep my house cold enough at all times to where I can use a comforter. I like a comforter. You know, and you're all snuggled up in bed and it's cozy, and I've always got the fan going because I like the noise and also because it cools it off. And it's just like, I'm in the comforter, and you like pull the comforter off, and you're like, oh, it's cold. Right? Right back on. Maybe 10 more minutes. 10 more minutes turns into 45 more minutes, and then all of a sudden, you're running out the door without one sock on. Right? It's a problem. But I struggle in the mornings to leave that comfort zone because everything is just so nice. Everything is just so cush. You know, I, the house is cold enough. It's the only time Jericho will cuddle with me. Every other time she's like, get away from me. I hate you. Uh, but if it's cold enough, you know, um, she'll love me. And I like that too. But if I just stay in bed all day, what am I going to accomplish? If I just stay in bed all day, how is God going to move through me? How am I going to change lives? How am I going to impact others? How am I going to progress as an individual? How am I going to get stronger? I'm not. The answer is it's not going to happen. We all like our warm and cozy beds, and I'm not talking about just beds anymore. We all like our warm and cozy beds. But if we never leave them, then we prevent God from working 
in our lives, in the lives of those around us who he wants to bless through us. And I'm going to tell you, as a Christian, as a Christian, the greatest joy that you can experience is having God use you to bless another human being. So we have to take risk. We have to be up for the challenge. We have to have faith. And as a team, we have to be there to support one another as we are taking these risks and as we are making these tough choices. Let's pray. God, I come to you right now. I thank you for this day. Uh, Lord, thank you for the rain. Thank you for not a hundred degree temperature this morning. I really appreciate that. Lord, we are blessed by you over and over, time and time again. Sometimes, God, the biggest blessing is on the other side of a risk that we must take, of a tough decision that we have to say yes to. God, you are calling us, you are leading us, you are guiding us, you are directing us all on different paths every day to work as the body of Christ, to spread the kingdom of God so that others may know you, so that others may be in relationship with you. And you use us, our imperfections, our failures. Why would you use us? But you do. You do. Talk about a blessing. Talk about a blessing. God, give us courage. Courage to have faith like Peter did when he first stepped out of the boat onto the water. Help us to keep our eyes on the finish line, to remember why we stepped out in the first place, to have faith, to be obedient. We ask for all these things in Jesus' powerful name. Amen. I was a little long-winded today. I apologize for that. You'll still be out more than, you know, most churches. You can get your food, all that stuff. We do have a business meeting right after this, okay? It won't take that long. I think it's important uh, if you're called Crosspoint home, I think it's important for you to kind of stay and, and get those updates. If you have to leave, we certainly understand that. But we'll focus on that later. Right now, what we need to focus on is God. So I want you to stand. I want you to worship. If you need to come pray with me, please do that. If you have a decision to make about your faith, come talk to me about what it means to be in a relationship with Jesus. That's the most important decision that you can ever make. I firmly believe that. Stand now. Let's worship. Give God his due.